These are the days of Elijah. <laughs> I haven't thought about that song in forever. I love that song. Creep, uh, Preparing the way of the Lord. Why don't you just go for it? You got it. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, he's got to do it. You got to do it. No, yourself. I'm not doing it. Do it. No, I'm not doing it. Lost. Wow. It's below you. No, you it's beneath it, you. That's why he's doing it. He's no, saying you, it's beneath No, him. you wrote it, aren't it? Here, I'll do it. Give me the, give we're me the min, cadence. We're in here. Welcome <laughs> to Brought Us to Grace, the podcast by Mercy Hill Church. <laughs> where the grace is common. This is trash. <laughs> where it's common to have the baptistry out each and every Sunday. Amen. And where it's uncommon for any human to have a potato allergy of the mind. <laughs> so with me mind, today. Bro, that's funny. <laughs> so that's with not. me today, I have Blake McCullough, Don Terrell, <laughs> and a surprise guest. <laughs> Remember that episode when I was on vacation? <laughs> His name is Debbie Downer. <laughs> Dawson. Dawson Barlow. <laughs> Dawson Barlow. <laughs> Closely related to our other host, Donson. These guys are actually roommates. <laughs> so originally, Lawson wasn't supposed to be here. What are we doing today? I have no idea. Today, plan. we will discuss the title of today's episode is, It's Fall, y'all. <laughs> Blake's revenge. So dead when he said that, it's what? It's fine. It's like it's like a flat note. It's like somebody played it loud, <laughs> yeah. but it still sounds like bad. Someone like popped the balloon and just like. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the title of today's episode comes from a parody account. You know, you've made it as a podcast show, right? Yeah, we've made it. We have. People are parodying us. I like it's. It's like making it to Saturday Night Live, like low key. You yeah, know? that's true. That's it really true. is. It's the same thing. It, it, it is an equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the title of that parody podcast, they were, they are products of waste. <laughs> and the title of that episode they did was It's Fall, Y'all. It's which fall, I y'all. thought, I do have a story <laughs> of walking an unreasonably long distance this morning, actually. And I thought for a second, it's this lady that's always walking about the same time. And we normally pass each other at the same distance, Mm. same marker. And she had her phone on with her flashlight on. This is dark. Wow. And I was like, man, that's kind of freaky, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have my flashlight on. Mm -mm. And I was thinking to myself, why don't I have my flashlight on? And I thought, oh, because I'm a big man. (laughs) You know, not as big as you used to be. No, not as big as I used to be. But I thought, yeah, it's nice to be a big man. It's true. You know, it's fair. And I thought, oh, there's an idiom there. What is it? Everybody wants to be the big man on campus. Mm. BMOC. BMOC. That's a real thing. True. Big man on campus. But before we get into that, it's fall, y'all. And it's also Blake's revenge. So, Blake, Sarah says, Sarah says she cannot. So when you listen to the parody episode, they don't give, they don't give Drake McConnell. Yeah, sweet Drake. An opportunity to ever speak. Because <laughs> the first time I laughed was when they yeah. when they brought him out and he was like, "So what do you think about that?" Like, no, 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 I was like, "Yeah, that's I thought I'll have it, dude." <laughs> so Sarah says, "Yeah, I can't listen to it." And so it was me and Julie after church on Sunday talking to Sarah about the podcast and the parody. She's like, "It's real," and Julie's the whole time looking at me, going, "Don, it's real. I've told you before, like." You and Lawson are terrible to Blake. No, <laughs> yeah, no, this is what they said. no. This is what I'm they not said. included in this. <laughs> yes, I literally Blake. How oh, many times Lawson. in the middle of a podcast? <laughs> how many times in the middle of a podcast do I turn and look at you and uh, wait? Be careful. Be careful. You're contending with someone. He's got. He's got his own opinions about this. I don't know. I look at you before I say almost anything, brother. Mm-hmm. No, if he asks a question, maybe at the beginning. No, of a, if he asks a question, about to get some Judge Judy going on. <laughs> if he maybe ha- at the beginning, 
Bailiff. Of, of a topic. But, like in the beginning of a conversation, he'll ask a question, yeah, and like, I'll look at you. It's like, Blake, go ahead and say you. what you're going to say so we can stop talking. That's not real. That's not the point. <laughs> so, look, so Sarah says, so I'm laying all this out. Julie's wagging her finger at me and saying, you're in my boat with me. You know, it's I'm like, not in his boat. yeah, you are. So Put that away, Julie. Sarah says, Sarah says, it's why I don't listen. Oh my gosh. The whole time That's y'all are why. interrupting. I know. I didn't buy any of this. <laughs> and then she says, but, but, but Blake really thinks that y'all don't think he's funny and that y'all don't listen to his jokes because the last time I was made to listen to it with Blake, it was on he, Saturday. Was it? And you were playing her something where you said her. a funny joke. And we didn't acknowledge it. Just ignored it. What was it? I don't even remember. What God. were we talking about at the beginning of last episode? It was something funny. The beginning? Did it make the cut? Yeah, it made the cut. Because oh, like, you, you got to listen it. to this. Like, I want you to listen to this. We're talking about, I think it was about Lawson. I don't know. Was remember. it me on the long walk with the dinosaurs? And we were talking about the dinosaurs? And Maybe it was about the dinosaurs. The ark. I laughed at that. Anyway, no. I I just made the I comment. I mean, I have my phone. We you talking about the dinosaurs it. getting off? No, brother. I just made the side comment that I like. I always try to bring these like little moments of situational I, I, levity, and they always just get like <laughs> glossed over. And I was like, yeah. I mean, like sometimes Charles would be like, "That was funny," and no one heard that. But, other <laughs> but I than always that, hear it when I listen to it. I know, and it's. I'm not mad about it. Lawson, what? How can we do better? I let him talk. I <laughs> Lawson said, Don, come with me to Orthodoxy where we always let this man talk. <laughs> I'm fine to camp out there. Look, I'm glad to receive a rebuke. <laughs> when it's warranted. I when it's warranted. find out what it was. Because... You- like I do, I really do. Like I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Blake talk, and then you'll say something, <laughs> you'll and say you'll something. talk. <laughs> that was the other thing that the uh, that the parody contends for, and I can address the parody if if you want me to. You can address the parody, but like, so the the parody also contends for that sometimes I'll say stuff, and neither of y'all feel like you're listening because <laughs> you'll just be like. I fast forwarded the parody and I think it's you. (laughs) Dawson Barlow is over there going (laughs) (laughs) flicking pages. And he goes, he goes, What what, are you about to chapter and verse me? (laughs) Dawson Barlow goes, No, no, I'm just looking for something else. Like, go ahead. (laughs) Uh that's so funny, dude. I should have stayed home. So I think my my defenders are a little overzealous. Mm. Because yeah, we go. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No. <laughs> 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 this episode is going to be titled "Self Conscious." <laughs> Not me, you. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to happen today. I really know. When you made when you're so self-aware of yourself, <laughs> you're trying to break like deep <laughs> deep who you are. <laughs> like this is who we are. <laughs> Just roll with it. So, my people, mm-hmm. the uh paradisers. <laughs> I think they're a little overzealous because you know, they're like, man, you never get to talk. And it's like, I'm not really made. I'm not built for a theological podcast because like y'all think theologically way quicker than I do. Mm. Like I need to think about it for like my own self for like, you know, a couple hours before I can just sit here and hold court about it. <laughs> and so it's less about like y'all being rude and more about me being like behind. Thoughtful. No, not even thoughtful. Just like, I need to think about it before I can think about what I want to say about it. And y'all are just more prepared for that, I guess. I don't know. And y'all are on a wavelength. Like, y'all are, <laughs> y'all are like, y'all getting into a groove and I'm just like sitting there watching a ping pong match. <laughs> and like, I just, 
I'm not mad about that. My <clears throat> my sympathizers in products of waste, <laughs> I think they think that it's more nefarious than it actually is. Yes, I hate to take away the. Uh, That's what's so comedy. The power of the, of the products of waste, but like I really am just thinking in front of a microphone. So I'm not mad. Boy, just touched my hand. Hand touching. Hand touching. Uh, but it was funny because another brother, Connor, said uh, on Saturday, he was like, yeah, man, uh, you must like enjoy the practical podcast more than the theological ones because you talk more on those. I'm just like, no, it's like the only time I feel like I can come up for air and be like, oh, yeah, I could talk about that. Like I can think about practical things in the moment, but the theology one, I want to think about it deeper. That's fair. So don't be self-conscious. I like it the way it is. All right, we won't change it. I don't intentionally interrupt. <clears throat> I value what you say. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should speak more often. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> I just I could make my brain faster. Are we ready? Are we ready to make the turn? Was that the whole thing? So, with that, gentlemen, can you follow me on Twitter? <laughs> Find right. out. Maybe if you stop interrupting me, I accept. Let's find out. I won't interrupt you. We're again. interrupting Don now. You just interrupted me. <laughs> well, I feel like we should tell like why Lawson wasn't supposed to be here. Sure. So Lawson wasn't supposed to be here today. That's accurate. Because Haddon's home. Haddon's home. Haddon's home. But we hatched a plan after Whoa. buying the bigger boat <laughs> 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 that we called Beth on We did not phone. call Beth. On speakerphone. We did. Like, definitionally, we were all there. That's fair. And we dangled bait and times. Mm. And she didn't hear the times. <laughs> she didn't hear the she heard the bait. She only heard the bait. Which was uh, an Which was Oreo Lawson blizzard. will be home between 4.30 and 5. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we better get going. Yep. It's 4.32 here where Products of Grace is live. <laughs> 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 with a blizzard yeah with a blizzard no she says she doesn't but want, she doesn't want she doesn't want the blizzard anymore well it'll make you go home quicker you won't have to wait yeah line. that cuts. yeah but I'm probably starting to get one myself <laughs> oh you didn't get it on the way here no I thought about it and then I was like nah I came just straight here yeah you got excited well I was you should get to... her one anyway it'll be romantic we have cookies and cream at the house you can put it in the freezer <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying that's my favorite kind of ice cream yeah it's good what? bluebell yes yeah the only so back in the day Angel Food was a real ice cream company, and they they had the best cookies and cream known to man. I that's how I feel. It's about, gone. That's how I feel about Turner's. Did they get um, bought out? Bought out or something? I think they got bought out by Clink, which owns Baskin Robbins. Ew. Mm. And now the Clink Baskin Robbins location that used to be up at Lamar and Two Forty yeah. it closed. So oh, now no. no productions happening locally. I don't know where they're shipping in all the, the best, ice cream The best ice cream, my favorite ice cream, period, like I, that's that's at home, like in a <clears throat> container. In the freezer. Yeah, is uh, <laughs> Turner's Moose Tracks. Yeah, Turner Crunchies. That's local, right? Yeah, Turner's Moose Tracks. Support local. Yeah, but kind I'm of a grotesque name for an ice cream. Moose you know? Tracks? Yes. <laughs> I thought you meant Turner's. I thought it was like feet print. Brother. <laughs> is it not? No. It's white snow, moose tracks, and the swirl. I'm going. I'm going saying it's poop. Yeah, I'm going with feet print. (laughs) No, it's not. What do you think, producer? (laughs) At least they don't call it moose droppings. (laughs) Let's turn. Let's turn. Let's turn. Big man on campus. Big man on campus. Big man on campus. What do you think that means? What do you think? <clears throat> we need video. We need video. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. One day. I think everybody, I think sometimes the temptation is Golly. to be the BMOC, <laughs> the big man on campus. Mm. Hey, Lawson, had you mm. ever gone through a cage stagey where you would want to go back in time <laughs> and roundhouse punch yourself in the throat, whatever you need to do. I just want to unpack this. I want to know 
Like I, it's such a common phenomenon. You know. You know what you don't do during the week? What you don't call Don and tell him something before the <laughs> podcast is recorded. <laughs> what did you do, Austin? Yeah, what did you do? Um, so if I could go back in time and roundhouse kick myself in the face for like one of those cringe moments that you think about from time to time, it would be, um, it would be in seminary my first year. I was 20, uh, I was 19, 19, 19, and, uh, I was turning in my second my second sermon, this was not to be verbally delivered. It mm-hmm. was just written. Mm-hmm. And the oh, the sermon's uh, binding idea was a illustration of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Dying for the Joker. No. Yep. No. Yep. I, and I said, I was like, bro, you preach this? And he's like, no, 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 I wrote it. And I was like, I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> uh, makes me uncomfortable. So, um, like, did you get a good grade on it? I got a B, which is really sad. I should have gotten an F. <laughs> Seriously. Like I 100% should have gotten an F. I got a B and he said, maybe a too, maybe too much illustration, which is, which is hilarious. Maybe. Maybe, maybe too much illustration. Possibly too much illustration. It was way too much illustration. And if I could do one thing, I would go back, sit next to that young man as he was typing it in Mid-America's um, computer lab. Say, hey man, maybe don't. Maybe do you don't. think you would have taken that well at that age? No, I thought I was really clever. I thought I was really clever. It's a problem, isn't it? It is. Do you think that was, do you think that was an age thing? I think it was an age thing. I also think that people told me that I was really, really clever. Mm-hmm. And so you were just basking in Fleshing it. that out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, from, I started, yeah, like 18, 19, I had people that would really encourage, like, I, it's like the people who encourage you matter. Mm-hmm. Like if you have people who don't know what they're talking about encouraging you, they're encouraging you in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And, um... And so I had people be like, hey, that was a really helpful illustration and things like that. And, you know, the whole time I was neglecting the actual study of Scripture for the sake of expositing. And I was kind of drawn into um, how can I be a great storyteller? Communicator, as they say. Communicator, storyteller. Like, that was that was hot for a while. And, mm-hmm. I, and you know, I, I would say that I probably wasn't too far you know, there was a couple of crossroads that hit me in my life, and one of them was probably seeker sensitivity, preaching for effect, pragmatics. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't say I was far from that at all. Hmm. But when I came away, I came away hard. Yeah, now you don't believe in illustration, right? Sixteen points. Sixteen points. I don't have time to tell you. No time to talk about Batman. I knew it. Do you think that's common for like young men that are seeking ministry, like? BMOC, like you know, saying like that mindset. You know, saying like that mindset. I would venture to say that a large portion of men who quote unquote are called to ministry are called to are really just called by themselves to build a platform. Yep. In their own pride. I mean, I only say that because I've experienced it. But what puts that in check? What do you mean? Like, is there a mechanism that puts that in check where someone just mm-hmm. needs more time to season and mature and oh. get through their own desire and headstrong that they can get a four-year degree, be accepted to seminary, yeah, right, and apply for a job yeah, at I mean, a church? That's part of the problem is that it's divorced from the church. Yeah, mine, my <clears throat> check was a small local church. Like that was the check for me mm-hmm. that pushed back on that mentality. And the other was Calvinism. Oh yeah. Calvinism. Where'd you pick that up? I picked it up. At, I mean, I, 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 you gateway into that. <clears throat> well, I already believed it. Like that's, what's crazy. Cause it's in the Bible. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying like when I wrote <laughs> I that, love when you talk like <clears throat> when I wrote that, I was, I would, I would have professed that I was a Calvinist. 
but it had oh, at nineteen with yeah. the oh, Batman and you Joker. hadn't let the Calvinism take hold it in never, all of your theology, right? Mm. This was, is my problem with a lot of the no, neo Calvinists. Yep. It only touches one area, and so when I realized that it touches all areas, it's like, hey man, stop saying stupid things. Mm-hmm. That was that was really like like stop. If you believe the Bible is able to make one wise to salvation, why are you trying to use DC Comics? Let the word do the work. Seriously. In a, lo- in a small local church that I went in and opened the Bible and preached through it week after week and saw its fruit. And they're but that was their desire. Like, mm-hmm. What would you say? They're unimpressed by Batman. They were unimpressed by Batman. Yeah, I could imagine like that probably fell flat with the majority of your <laughs> hearers. You know so Batman is this guy. Nah, bro. He's really rich. No, I'm, but here's what's crazy. Like when I like, so I'm let's te- back up. Bruce I had Wayne. I had probably five or six people read that, and they're like, "Man, this is really helpful, oh, brother." No. And it wasn't. It wasn't helpful. It was clever. Mm. It was clever. Clever. Clever, clever gets you a long way. Yeah. Sadly. It, yeah. It won't. It won't. It won't keep you in the annals of time. Yeah, that's true. So, at date Nowney, Nate Downey writes. I thought this was a very engaging thread on social media. Did you, did you get pick any of this up? No, yeah, that, follow me on Twitter. That guy sounds familiar, though. Does he? Nate Downey, at Date Downey is that's, his handle. That's a funny uh, yeah. little switcheroo. They like when you switch the words around. <laughs> he says, <laughs> seminary should have a minimum applicant age of 38. Third A. Oh, I saw this. 30. A decade of non-ministry work experience would do a lot of... These pastors good. Greg Kite. Who are these pastors? I know. That was the only thing I'm like, you can probably scratch the these out. Let's read it without the these. See if it doesn't sound. I know. It sounds better. Seminary should have a minimum applicant age of 30. A decade of non-ministry work experience would do a lot of pastors good. It's good. It is good. It's better. Much better. You're welcome, Nate. only he had an editor. You're welcome, Nate. Uh, Greg Kite. My friend. Our friend, Greg. As someone says, as someone who started seminary at 31 after a decade of teaching, yes. Lawson Harlow, not to be confused with Dawson Barlow, comes out and says, seminaries should only accept students who are proven to meet the qualification of elder. Age is irrelevant. Affirm. Affirm. Greg Kite comes back. Of course it is. I don't think anyone is literally saying, correct me if I'm wrong, date nowney, at date nowney. I mean, he literally said, he, li- he literally said that there must literally be an actual age limit. We're all throwing around literal a lot. To me, Greg goes on to say, to me, it's just a way of stating that most people would really benefit from time in the workforce first. Hmm. You mean, you mean to read what you said? Or you want to pause? Rem- I don't remember. I, I mean, at Lawson Harlow. <laughs> Says, I have zero hours in the secular, that made me giggle, I don't know why. <laughs> I have zero hours in the secular workforce, which is not true. You, you, you work for a radio station. Yeah, dude. I mean. It was a Christian of, radio station. I worked for. So our power. I have worked for my, I have worked for a radio station for a very small period of time, and then I worked. You were like a porter at Lawson, at Lawson Harlow firm. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked for my dad yeah. for, this, Rusty. You know, for the summer. That Rusty. doesn't count. Okay, it doesn't count. I, I don't, that doesn't count. That's okay. like your says, Congratulations. Lawson Harlow says, I have zero hours in the secular workforce. What men need is work ethic, and that isn't given by working secular jobs. It's just called integrity. Affirm. <laughs> but I think there's a level I think there's a level of humility that comes with like just ordinary ordinary pursuit of a living wage. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. I, I would I would affirm that. Yeah. So I just I, think I think like I don't know, like do you think it's common that most young men seeking ministry go in go in with that? With a with a you know what I'm saying with a mindset that's like I don't know un, unhealthy I guess in a sense because I think that's what they're striking at I think there's like well I think the the major thing that Nate is getting after there is essentially a 
maturing that takes place in the 10 years between 20 to 30. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like there's a great deal of maturity that takes place between 20 and 30, but that doesn't mean that you should be forbidden from entering into the pastorate or entering into a seminary level education. Mm. That's where I, that's where I distinguish. It's like my, my work ethic was developed not because I worked in a secular workforce. My work ethic, I was primarily developed because I loved the occupation that I held mm. and I wanted to serve the people that God had given me well. Like that, I, I, my issue is I don't think those things by necessity translate. Like I don't think that those need to be, those extra biblical qualifications need to be introduced when, when Paul didn't feel the need to. Everybody wants to like bicker about how old Timothy was. Yeah, I'm not here for that. Okay, at all. <laughs> Timothy, was I'm just eight. trying to work out yeah. what Nate, what Nate's working through is like, what good does that additional ten years do, and I, and is yeah. there any good? I can confess to you that there was a lot of good that took place in my life from twenty to thirty. Yeah, same for me. I think like you know how Rome. Same. Like I think the Lord's playing on. You're not thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Lord's playing on like cool, what like Rome, like how severe Rome was against the criminal. <clears throat> when he's like, if if your foot causes you to stumble, like cut it off. If your hand, yeah. cut it off. If your eye, gouge it out. That's I mean, they would do. That's what Rome's doing, yeah. right? And so in a sense, like he's saying, look how severe the secular government is with wrongdoing. Now look how maybe easy right, that you are, like, we should be militant towards, you know, sin in the yeah. life of the believer. And I think, too, like, there's a lot of visibility that the, that the secular workforce can give the, the young man pursuing ministry in the fact that they see, they see people work who are non-Christian mm -hmm. with a vigor you know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's it's yeah. they're they're not they don't even know they're working as they work into the Lord, but they're good, they do good work. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And they work yeah. with quality work. And to me, it's like when you look around the secular workforce and you see men and women who are quote unquote unchristian, I just draw that parallel to be like, you know, look how the government of Rome was how severe, right? And look how hard <clears throat> the world works. And they don't even have, you know what I'm saying? They don't even have like that lasting motivation. Yeah. I think like that would be selfishly like the only visibility that you get, you know what I'm saying? That would be healthy that you get by going into a secular job. I mean, like. I think you also get, I just interrupted you. I think you also it. get like the visibility of what your people that you're asking to serve the church live. Yeah. By saying like you work all week and then you are expected to serve the church. Like you work somewhere else all week and you're expected mm -hmm. to serve the church. I feel like in my early years of ministry, like working, like kind of like working at a church, but also working other places. Mm -hmm. It just helped me to be more sympathetic when I was like, man, like nobody wants to serve. And it's like, well, maybe they're just really super busy mm. and like they have jobs too. And like mm. we have to, we need to be humble about, mm. you know, like how much time we're asking of people and what we're, what we're expecting of them compared mm. to, you know, like it was easy for me as a youth pastor sitting in an office for 40 hours to be like, how come no one's serving? And to forget that like, you know, there was a time when I couldn't have given this amount of time or mm. this night or this day mm. to, the work of the church. I mean, I think going, taking time off of like my college for like a couple of semesters and working for like my dad's equipment company mm -hmm. motivated me <laughs> to, to finish my education. Mm. You know, and I think like, I think it works as a motivating factor. And I also think like, I couldn't imagine for those years of 20 and 30 to not now have so much of that, you know, like work experience that mm -hmm. I've had, like just things that I've, I've learned. And so I don't know. I mean, I think like sometimes when I think back for myself about being early in college and setting off out of church and setting my eyes on, you know, Christian studies major and then into seminary, like I'm, I'm thankful for 
like that detour that I took. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's an mm-hmm. unorthodox path, but. You're talking about the detour of. Yeah, if like working for your dad for a little bit. Yeah, and then okay. like finishing college, and then becoming a banker, and then now finding myself plugged in as an elder as a local church. You know what I'm saying? But always in my early years, coming out of quote unquote the youth group, like having that zeal to be involved in the church. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I just think sometimes, like, do you think that we've, do you think we've like structured it mm-hmm. like a degree, and that's what do you mean? Like to go to, you know what I'm saying? It's like four years in college, four years in seminary, then you graduate, then you plug into the church. Like, I don't know. Like, I think some of that might be. Yes, it's a professional route. Yeah, and it's a lot of it's premature. Like, it's premature. Like, I don't mean mm-hmm. like men aren't qualified to go pursue it, but it seems But they're like, not all qualified to come out and be like, to come out of this machine as a, as a pastor candidate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think we need to be slow to add extra biblical qualifications. I also think we need to be slow to take away from the qualifications that are given. And so for me, like, as I'm looking at qualifications for elder, like, I don't need to see a degree. Sincerely, don't. Don't need, I don't need to see, you know, 10 years in the secular work. I don't need to see three years of experience inside of the ministry. I'm more interested in seeing, do you meet the qualifications that are set? And if you do that, then I think we can press forward. And I mean, maybe some of this argument is is rooted in, okay, well, you need this before you go to seminary. Well, okay, great. I don't really care. Like, I just don't. Like, I don't care. Like what this gets being you. the four year degree. <clears throat> yeah, I don't care about the four year degree. I don't care about your seminary degree. I, I sincerely don't. I've known enough brilliant men who don't have a degree, and I've known and I've known a lot of men who I wouldn't let touch the pulpit of this church who have PhDs from mm. from Southern Baptist seminaries, and so. It's like, I, this, this is an irrelevant topic. In my opinion, it's more of, does, do I need, do you need to have X amount of years of secular, and this is the one, like if you follow the rest of that thread, the question is, can a pastor relate to his people if he hasn't worked for 10 years in, a, in the secular workforce? That's the one that jumped all over me. Why? Because the, the statement is, you can't do your job. Mm. And it's like, incorrect. The, the assumption is that, I, and this, that, that's, that I, not to, to put words in this man's mouth, but that's borderline standpoint epistemology. Mm-hmm. Like it's ju- it's just borderline standpoint epistemology. You're sitting here telling me that I can't fulfill the role that I have because I haven't taken two steps in the role that they've been in. Well, I can tell you by the end of the like by the end of my life, I am not going to be be able to be a cabinet installer, a teacher, a banker, uh, uh, a doctor, a nurse. The list. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do all those things. Mm-hmm. Nor am I called to. Um, and so I think that if we understand the role and the, and the call to, to the pastorate, what we need to understand is it's, it's not necessary for me to be able to say, oh, yes, I've walked in your shoes for me to say true things to you or for me to counsel or for me to preach the Bible to you. That's just not the case. What is the case is I need to love you. I need to understand the scriptures and be, be willing to labor in them for the sake of feeding the flock of God that he's entrusted to me. And so yeah, that's what, that's what jumps all over me. And I, and, um, you know, I, I still think that we underestimate, um, that we underestimate the most, or, or maybe misunderstand the most excellent mark of the pastor. Um, I think we've, we've relegated it to perhaps leadership, theological precision, um, communication, things like that, when in actuality, the most excellent mark of the pastor is love. And if we can, if we can get back to the point where we're saying, okay, well, what I'm looking for is someone who's going to love the congregation really well and serve them to the best of their ability, then I'm, then I go to the rest of those qualifications and make sure that those are met. And if they're not, then we move on. But the other side of that is I don't want to disparage or to undermine the 20-something who's, who's laboring in the church, right? Mm-hmm. He, is he an elder yet? No, he's not. But he's laboring in the church, and, he's, and he is likely demonstrating the fact that he is able to meet the qualifications for elder. He's going to continue to learn and to grow, and if he chooses to go a path through seminary to do that, then so be it. Mm-hmm. If he has seminary in the local church pouring into him and training him, then it makes logical sense that 
that that man would eventually reach that point. If it's at 24, cool. If it's at 34, cool. If it's at 44, so be it. But do you think that like from, um, is this the right word? Ecclesiology from like an ecclesiology standpoint. Ecclesiological. Ecclesiological. Yes. You learned that in seminary. Yeah, do you think you're like, it just seems like what the so what I find, this just may be anecdotal, sure. that it's not the 40-somethings, <clears throat> the 50-somethings, right the 60-somethings. Yeah. It, it is those early adopters, right? That sure. are, it's career path. It's not, It's it just doesn't seem like, in, in my mind, like, are, are we, right, missing a vast resource within the local body and i don't know if this deals with like modern evangelical governance of the local church but you know what i'm saying like from raising up elders you're talking about in the in the categories of 30 40s 50s yeah 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 it's like people that have put you know maybe um you know people that have put together maybe an unorthodox or a, you know kind of not a traditional not a traditional route route yeah but nonetheless they're qualified yeah i think our traditional route has placed us where we are where mm. would that be meaning that <clears throat> where so the traditional route has placed us in a position where the majority of churches are looking for people and i mean i, I like i have friends who are looking looking to serve churches right, right? and as they're doing that, doing that, what they're asking them is, how long have you been doing ministry? And what they want to see on that resume is youth ministry. Then they want to see children's ministry or something of that nature. Then they want to see you in some position of leadership and, you know, maybe a bit higher up. Right. Education, discipleship, whatever it may be. And if you have a couple of years of experience there and you've got your master's of divinity from some seminary, um, you know, in a Southern Baptist circle, you're going to be dealing primarily with 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 the big six Southern Baptist seminaries, and um, and those are going to be the only ones that make it through the resume pile. It's that's just the way it is. And then that's not even taking into account that if you're if you're being interviewed at a church that's perhaps a bit larger, then they're taking into account the size of the congregation that you were pastoring to see if you'll be able to pastor the congregation that you might be moving to. We have treated for. 50, Blake? How long? 100 know, years? Probably longer than that. Um, the pastorate as as a strictly professional, here's the ladder, climb it, and you might get to where you want to go one day. We haven't, We I, I think we have, and this is probably because, um, again, going back to what you're, what you're saying, partly because of our ecclesiology where we believe that the pastor is a solo office mm. and, there, and there's deacons who kind of, help but they're in a leadership position as well there's not really a multiplicity of elders and so that being the case you don't like you don't need the the i'll use the term the lay elder mm. the man who's just uniquely gifted mm. the lord's given him wisdom he studied his bible his whole life he's got maturity he meets the qualifications you don't need that guy that guy just go sit down and be a deacon right and so I think I think those category errors have done us great harm, and will and and it will take us time to recover from it. That's where I am. I think it'll take us time to recover from it. So I noticed, like on the Sin Network, it was like uh, social media <laughs> saying like it was a, a church planters wives like support conference or whatever. Oh, I hmm. saw that. Yeah, and I thought to myself like I'm sure that's healthy and good, right? It's like to connect and network and mm-hmm. know, but it's like you know for me like that that church model that we're talking about, like, you know, how, how much does that local lay elder and those other men that who are raised up right around help familial, you know, like give those in for, I mean, for you guys, for Lawson and Beth. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're not necessarily relying on church planter conferences. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, no. it's the actual body of the church. Cause you hate conferences. I do hate conferences, but I don't, but I mean, like let's let's be serious. I, I there's like there's the guy who's your dad, right? And he's and he reaches over and says, "Hey man, I love you. Don't ever do that again." Right? Like that guy, love that guy. Then there's the guy who gets on the stage who doesn't know me, doesn't know my name, doesn't care about me except for the dollars that I put in the plate, right? In the sense that I came to the conference, I paid for the conference. 
and he's going to make some comment to me or to Beth or something like that. This is like this is the reason why pastors go away to like growth retreats and things like that, and they come back and they completely restructure the nature of their church. This happens all the time. They'll go to like a grow conference or something like that, and they'll completely change fundamentally everything they do in their local church. This is a terrible idea. You have people that you should be depending on. You should have the dad. You should have the son. You should have the brother and so forth and so on mm-hmm. in the congregation that can support you and edify and encourage and vice versa. This is We've, ex- we've exported it. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. we've exported it, we don't actually get good encouragement. Mm-hmm. So do you think like from an ecclesiology, Say it again. Ecclesiological standpoint that it's a multiplicity of elders, both formally trained, non formal. Like, what does that look like yeah. for you? Yeah, I, I, qualified, qualified. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I am more equipped. That I'm not going to go as far as to to be a standpoint epistemological, but I would say that I am more equipped to love my congregation well now mm. in the way that I live my life than I was when I was like a on staff pastor in that kind of corporate model mm-hmm. because it was just, it felt more transactional. Mm. Like it's like this, they paid me to do a job. I need to do a job. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. now I feel like ecclesiologically we have this picture of like, there are three of us and we're all doing this task and we have different responsibilities based on, based on time. Mm -hmm. And it helps me to think about loving the congregation well within the capacity that I have Mm -hmm. to do that by having that mindset. So like, I think that it is super helpful for us and for the congregation to see, like we all have the same task in a sense and we have different levels of responsibility within that task. But as we execute that, like we all do it in different ways uh, and in different amounts, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But like it, it helps me to think that like there's a lane that I'm in and I get to do that lane to the best of my ability. And, and I go to work and I, you know, do all the other things that I do. And there's not like this transactional, like, man, I'm sitting at the office. And I got to figure out something to do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we, that's where I was. And I think we all now, we all have this kind of understanding of where our, our different lanes are and how we can do those things well. But Blake's the resume guy. I, I mean, you are resume. too. No, no. Blake is the yeah, resume. But Blake's the... Blake's Blake has a way better resume than me. What are you talking about? I kind of derailed my resume in the last five years, but yeah. You think so? I had a really good you resume. You couldn't polish it up and then like... No, I'm saying like in the corporate world, like I look like I... I don't know. Like I just like fell off the face of the world. For, oh, when you're saying like from the corporate, church the corporate world. church world. Yeah, yeah. It looks like I just like just dipped. had to go find myself or something. Like I was on the right track. And then, uh, which that's a, that's a thing, by the way, if you have, a, if you have, like I was told when I was making my resume, don't have a year gap. Yeah. Gaps, gaps, like don't cut, have you, a year cut gap. you down in the people just are like, well, what do you do? Do you get fired? Is that why, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Don't, never have a year gap. Seriously. And I did have a, a about a year gap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm glad. I think I like I can think back very joyously to think about the path that brought me to this moment. Mm. That four years ago, I don't think I would have been happy about. Mm. That now, like I am, I mean, I praise the Lord for. But I don't sit around and think about Blake being my pastor because he has right the education. But that's where I was wrong. Like, that's where I was like, if I get to this point, when I get my MDiv, I mean, like, full disclosure, like, when I got my MDiv, I was, like, floating resumes out. I was like, I'm going to become a pastor, like a real one, like a big boy pastor. And, uh, like, praise the Lord, none of that worked out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't be here. Uh, Or I might have just be more hurt from something that I (laughs) jumped into. Uh, But, like, yeah, that's what I thought at first. It was like... I've done all of the steps. I have done the youth pastor yeah. thing. I've gone to seminary. I've gotten the education. Now I'm ready to like go be a pastor of a small church. Mm. And like, I may have been qualified as well, but I was still thinking about it in that kind of transactional, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I've done what I need to do. Now you hire me. So from your standpoint, 
do you value your seminary education? Yes. Okay. I also think that if I had followed this advice of wait until I was 30, I would have gotten a whole lot more out of it. Mm. I just don't think that I appreciated it because like I had a scholarship. It was free for the most part. Mm-hmm. I was online just kind of like doing classes and I didn't really see a big connection between my class load and my ministry experience. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't think I appreciated it as much as I would now. Like if I was having to do it at night after I put my kids to bed, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like I think mm-hmm. I would appreciate it more. What about your education? I appreciated classes. Oh yeah. Um, I would not, I, I would not lump the whole experience together and say that I found the whole of the experience incredibly valuable. I would say that there are, there were men more so than, than even classes that played unique roles in my development and the seminary was essential was essentially a route to get me there. Mm-hmm. So like I mean I can name them. I mean Dr. John Mahoney, people know him. He was my systematic theology professor. Um he I, I loved him. Um and I loved and I loved spending time with him from time to time. If we can make it work, we still do lunch. Dr. Kirk Kilpatrick taught me how to read the Bible like well anyway or better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if I could think of a couple of men, those two stand out to me. There's one other guy, but frankly, I can't remember his name. I had him for two classes and they were, <laughs> and they were both really helpful. But it was his name was like Wagamuth or something like that. It was not. Wagamuth? Yeah, it was it was a it was a long name. Nancy Lee DeMoss' <clears throat> husband? No, but it, but maybe that's what I'm mixing up. <laughs> but like I found I found the classes helpful. Now, pit that over and against what what was most helpful to me is Dr. John Mahoney taught me how to teach myself. Mm. Like I learned more from, hey man, here's what you should be reading, and then I and then I was like, leave me alone, <laughs> and I'll go sit in my study and I'll read these books, mm. right? And so I learned from you know two men. Now, so here's here's what gets me right from those two men. Why couldn't that just be found in the church? Mm. Mm. Like I think for it some of the, be. that's what I'm saying. I, I think for some of these young men here who are in seminary or making their way there or thinking about it, like. Bro, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I'm sitting in seminary at the, fin- the finish of my master's, and some of these guys, I'm like, probably like, you don't, you can't articulate what the hypostatic union is. Mm. This is problematic, and I'm telling you, like, these should be things that we grasp in any healthy church. Mm-hmm. Like, we should be able to, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying my four-year-old should be able to be able, you know, give, like, a super precise theological definition of the hypostatic union, but she should be able to say, Jesus is truly God and truly man. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. Right. And so hmm. like, I just, I just think sometimes we overemphasize those things because of the formality of education in our society, as opposed to the importance of learning. That's where I am. Like, Say I, that again. We got to get the organ track on it. Um, I think we overemphasize the formality of education over and against the importance of learning. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, I think that's what I said. But I mean, that, that's how I, that's how I feel. About it. I'm like, I just want the, I just want all of the men who make their way into the pulpit to be educated. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not saying you have to be able to you have to be an expert in everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I honestly, if you ask me what my expertise is, I don't really know what I tell you. Um, like like theologically, um, I would say if I'm anything, I'm somewhat of a generalist. Um, but you know, like. I, but I want to be able to answer people's questions. I want to be able to care for them. And I think that's born deeper than here's your MDiv. Yeah. Um, and so. Do you think that the, the pursuit of education through the seminary is for those who want to draw a living wage from the gospel ministry? That's certainly the way that we have it set up. Yeah, certainly. Do you think there's anything wrong with that? I think it's wrong to teach men that if they get their MDiv, they will definitely be a pastor. And I don't think anyone's saying that. It just feels implicit. I don't implicit. think they're... Okay, that's what I was going to say. It feels yeah. what? It feels implicit. It's implicit. Mm. That's like, this is just the path that you take. Yeah. But I do think seminary could be helpful for you. I mean, obviously I did it. It could be helpful for you if you're not full-time, mm-hmm. you know, a full-time living wage pastor yeah. you know and I mean? I mean same like i'm i'm i have i have a bachelor's degree from a, from a baptist seminary i'm gonna finish my master's lord willing maybe in the next year like i'm i'm fine with do i'm not saying don't do it just um, don't see it as your ticket to yeah, pastoral ministry yeah 
I don't, I mean, because I, I think Nate's like positioning it as like the seminary is, is the one to guard qualified men. And you were saying qualified men need to be guarded like according to the standard yeah, of yeah. who's qualified to be an elder. And for me, I think like when I move that whole conversation into the local church, it seems like they're part of the problem. They, the evangelical church is part of the problem too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they're like, oh, well, if you don't have this standard path, if you don't have 10 years, there's no gaps or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think yeah. they're complicit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's the same thing with what Lawson was just saying. All the people encouraging him because he had such powerful illustrations. It's like the people, you know, like getting lifted up are just people who are like people use the word communicator to make it sound better, but it's really just like the people who are engaging. Yeah. Right. Are lifted up. And then it's like you go to that conference and you're like, man, I do want to be engaging like that guy. So let me do like the Aldi version of what he's doing at my church. Mm. And then it's just like, over and over. I mean, it's real, right? Like over and Aldi. over and over again yeah. is like this system of. It almost feels like like cheap thrills. Like it's just not like, it's like we saw this thing that was really cool, and now we're going to try to do it on a low budget, mm. and that's the kind of person we're going to hire. He's got like the, and then it becomes like like a coaching tree. Mm-hmm. Like it's like if you coached under Nick Saban, you can get a job somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, you you worked on, you were an intern at such and such church yeah. or with this guy or that guy. So you have the right, quote unquote, pedigree to become a pastor. And it's like, yeah. you don't even know him. Yeah. Like, you don't know anything about him. Bro, I was told when I was at Bellevue. Uh, <laughs> it's out there now. No, I'll just say it. That you can I was, ride Steve Gaines. I was told, like, I was told when I was at Bellevue that if I stay there, I can have any pick of choice churches that I want. Like, if I can stay there, if I can serve well, I mean, I had people telling me, like, bro, you hit the lottery. By the time you're done there, you can spend three years there. You can go wherever you want. You were at Bellevue, <laughs> right? And I mean, and I just remember, like, they but, have a singing Christmas tree. Yeah. It, it, most got in their mind. Um, I have something to say, too. I'm going to forget it if I don't know. Go ahead. You. Go ahead. <laughs> this is why. That's the real reason we get yeah, it. Yeah, because I, 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 I forgot it, remembered it, and forgot well, it. Well, say it now. Oh, uh, no, 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 he's lying. Brother. No, I'm not. It's about Bellevue? No. Oh, I find myself giving advice <laughs> to young men, right? Yeah. And I find myself like not deterring them, but maybe this is in the same spirit where Nate's coming from on social media. But it's like, I think in that 10 years, here's some things you're going to want to do. Yeah, yeah. You're going to want to get married. Yep. Yep. You're going to want to be able to be a man of honor yep. and take care of someone's daughter, <laughs> convince yep. them to give her to yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then probably in those 10 years, you're going to want to have kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Guess what you're going to need for a couple of kids? A house. A house, a couple of cars. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just... Stacks up. You know, it's like, to me, like, I think that that undergraduate education sometimes, like, because I went to university and... of was at first a Christian studies major and absolutely spit the bit was like, I don't, I I can't, my mind can't stay captivated. The, Mm. the distance here is so long. I don't really know. I was young. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, for me, it's like, I I think those, you know, a couple of semesters were, I would never say wasted. Right. In the grand providence of it all. Right. But it's like, I guess I want for young men to be able to be providers you know what I'm saying? It's yes. like there's certain things yes. that you can do, whether you go to college or you don't. If you're seeking ministry yeah. uh, in and of itself, I think sometimes we miss the boat on that first four-year degree. I'm not saying there's not any value in Christian studies major or whatever, but it seem, you know just seems like there's an opportunity sometimes. Um, but can I make it? Yeah, on yeah, a, yeah. So I went and got my my bachelor's of Christian studies from Mid-America because I was, I was, I was at a church. Mm. Like I was employed. I mean, again, I think they made an error employing me, but I'm glad they did it. At 19, they employed me. And I, I mean, I learned and I grew so much during that time. Mm. A lot of that was, like I said, somebody taught me how to teach myself and I was teaching through books of the Bible. Mm. Like I, I, I've only done the one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like during that 
during that time though, like the reason I went is because I was serving in a local church. The, I, I was told like, Hey man, go get a, go get a seminary degree, which I was, I was glad to do. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, feed me. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think sometimes we've, we've almost isolated the, the, I don't have a better word. We've isolated the feeding trough to the institutions. Mm. And that's not where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Like they can be there. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying like let's let's burn them all to the ground. I'm just saying like they shouldn't be the rite of passage. They are mm. the church should be the rite of passage. And and so that being the case, it was like I had all of these people around me saying, "Hey, man, we believe that the Lord's called you to ministry." Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not in that was not in one church. That was in three different churches that I had been president in really growing up. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of that, it's like, okay, this, I have a desire to do this. And people are telling me that they think I should like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that th- there, there normally are ways to communicate. But, but I tell you again, if I could, if I could go back and do it all over again, um, I would have saved myself a lot of hurt and a lot of stupid. If I would have had a, a pastor, or in a, in a whole local church around me saying, hey, let's, let's show you mm. what this is about. Let's teach you along the way. Um, I just, you know, and again, the fi- I guess maybe the final thing so you're I'll divorcing, say, in your mind, the education was divorced from the local church. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it is. It is divorced from the local church. Like, there, something I've, I've reached a conclusion of, I, 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 I'm hard-pressed to believe um, Aside from you being a member at that local church, that a seminary education will not by necessity be divorced from the local church. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if someone is here and going to school at Southern, but they stay here, the education is still divorced from the local church, right? It's like you're participating in life here, but the education you're getting there is distinct from the education that you're getting here in some capacities. Mm-hmm. I think the the end goal, if if I were to wave my magic orthodox wand um it sure, would be all that ails right right <laughs> you people it would be it would be give me give me uh 10 years okay 10 years i'll be 42 give me 10 years and in the midst of those 10 years continue to raise up the men who are here and already in leadership and then also the men who will become leaders and and then i think we'll be able to I think there we will make an aim to have multiple men pouring into the lives of people who say, hey, I aspire for the task of elder. I hope those men include men in their teens, Mm. 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yeah. Sincerely. Um, 60s and 70s we want you to yeah we want you to sorry it's a cut off you aged out yeah, yeah. that's somewhere here hold on I'm sorry. finding it 60s and 70s <laughs> 80s 90s um, you know at that point maybe 120 who knows yeah. um, but I think then the church can make it its aim to fulfill those things and to, and to educate pulpit primarily mm. and then you know extra on the side but but I think that's slow and I think yeah. that's what we don't like. We don't like slow. Yeah. I don't like slow. I'm not pretending like I like slow. But you yeah, know. if you like fast, so I could put a resume together. I could apply for like administrative Bro, executive you, pastor. Executive you, could pastor. Be an, you could be an executive pastor at an ex- extremely large church. Like Blake could put a resume together. He could, oh, he could post out senior pastor. Lawson, yeah. you could put a resume. But why does that feel? That's my last question. Why does that feel gross? Because it is. It really is. It's gross. It's it's like cutting off a body part and trying to sew it on to some other body, like in a garage somewhere. Mm. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> right? Like it's yeah, like it's no, no. like because yeah, like, here, like I want to do the task, and I think we all three share in this. Yeah. And we, you know, it's like. Yeah. I, 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 for no, I, I do not consider myself the administrative executive. Pa- you know, that's just not. I'm just trying to correlate, no. like where my gifting is, and and what, but I mean, I love doing it because I love serving this, this church. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. And my motivation for education or anything like I think all has to be rooted in this the, body. Yeah, yeah, in this body. Yeah, and I think that's like doesn't mean that you can't move or you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. When you go back to planting, like we're 
planting is a is a a part of that right like we're not like it's not like we're saying we need to make a new church it's like we're saying like we love these people and a few of these people live in this area and we want to Mm -hmm. love them there you know what i mean yeah last thing i'll say um and then I have to go. The podcast can continue, but I've got to go. No, we're done after this. Okay. That's what I said. The, was the last question. The last, the last thing I'll say, going along with that, it, it feels like it feels like kissing another woman who's not your wife. Mm. Like that's really how I feel about it because there's so much there's so much affection that's developed in 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 like I was I was watching a a friend of mine who's who just started a pastorate somewhere, and I thought to myself, what eeriness! Like when I stand up to preach on Sunday morning, I stand up to preach to people I know and love, mm-hmm. like. Are there some that I know better than others? Of course. But I'm just saying like in general, there's an affection there that I, I would assume is mutual, at least in some degree. And then you walk up to serve um, a different people, right? And you love them because you're, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. But I think we can safely say they're not our faith family, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I believe in the local church. And because that's the case, it's like I, can, I, I recognize the universality of this, but there's a uniqueness about the local church and how God gives people to particular bodies. Mm. And so I just think when you're using your gift in a place where you've, you've learned the mm. people, you love the people, you use it with a lot more zeal. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and at that point, it's drenched with affection mm-hmm. over and against, let me, let me it, it, this is how I think about it, let me show you my mechanical giftings. Mm-hmm. Like, because anybody who can preach can preach pretty much anywhere you put them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there's just something, there's something more mm-hmm. yeah. that when it's done inside the local church. So in conclusion, Lawson has a Bible verse. Blake has a Bible Golly, verse. Lawson. Somebody have a Bible verse. Bye, Lawson. So I exalt... <laughs> Hello. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe, yourself, all, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I'd like to thank my fellow elders. <laughs> Dawson Barlow. <laughs> Drake McConnell. Drake for McConnell. the time spent today, fellas, in reality... You are the big men on campus. My brothers (laughs) and my friends. Godspeed. I don't even know what that means. Gnarls. So, Charles, I envision... Did you know that Haddon came home yesterday? I didn't know that. I talked to him while in Madison... He never even says, he's like, this is the last trip. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, because you're going back tomorrow to get him. They all just went down there. You're headed to, I had no idea what was happening. It's funny. So funny. Haddon's home, and I envisioned the interaction between Lawson and Haddon, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Lawson walks into the room. Is, oh, is this in my house or is this in the hospital? No, this is in your house. Okay. As soon as he gets there. As soon as he gets there. He's like, you're like, Beth, Rowan, go to your rooms. (laughs) (laughs) I need time with my son. (laughs) He sits him up in the the little swaddling chair, shakes his hand. Hello, Haddon, I'm your father. (laughs) James Lawson Harlow. You can call me JLH. (laughs) There's one thing when you leave this house that you will know. Theology. That's what you will learn. So we were leaving the Mexican restaurant and I went on and on about it. I was, he was like, Haddon, are you playing again? <laughs> no, sir. To your room. Get the catechism. <laughs> 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings is your hour to shine. <laughs> <laughs> He's just laying there, can't even crawl. <laughs> it's so unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and out comes perfect English to the answer to the first question. <laughs> what is the chief end of man? <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. Well, I was just thinking, what if he only addressed him in like the the vernacular he used from the sermon? Which is? Like, fear not, dear son. <laughs> Hadn't you would do well. <laughs> Hadn't you would do well to read your catechism book. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's only because he's a boy. <laughs> you know, it's only because Hadn's No a boy. son of mine. We'll be Had you come from a long question line, fifty-three deep theological minds, me and your grandfather Sibs, <laughs> <laughs> and your great grandfather A.W. <laughs> and your other great great grandfather Bunyan. <laughs>